Well, folks, if you see our faces, it's a special edition of the DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork alongside George Wallace and Dave Preston. Um, you're doing product placement. Yeah. I didn't get that memo. Well, all right, we're going to a bowl game, so I kind of want to show everybody. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. At least you're going and not Elliot Tungabayaloa. No, he's not going. I'm not going either, but yeah. they're going. Yeah. 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 But it is, it's nice to be here again. It is. Yeah. It is. This desk is nice. And uh, our friend Jason Webb yeah. behind uh, the mic. Or the, I'm behind the mic. He's behind the cameras he's, right now. He's controlling. He has and, right. uh, Controlling the show. Uh, this show, of course, is the uh, DC Sports Huddle special in which we talk about the great moments in DC sports, the not so great moments in DC sports, and there were plenty. And uh, let's get right into it, guys. Uh, what was the story of the year in 2023? Well, is if anybody mm, I know. doesn't have a guess what that might be? I know. Go. July 19th. Yeah. The day that the Josh Harris group took over. Yeah. The Washington franchise football that plays in Ashburn and a FedEx field. Yeah. That's the story of the year. Yeah. Hands down, no other story of the year. We can end this thing right now. All that right. is the story of We're the out. year. Uh, <laughs> it, it, look, it's, it's, it was 20 years in the making. We know it, it, since last November when Dan Snyder explored the possibility of selling the franchise, and then nobody actually thought it would actually get to the point where it would happen. But that day in July at FedEx was pretty special when uh, Harris and uh, Magic Johnson, Mark Gein, Mitch Rails, the whole group was introduced to the the, uh, and of DMV. course, he bought a round of beers for everybody. Yes, at the, the bullpen. Uh, at the bullpen, and, I, I, and even though yes, the Capitals, the Nationals, the Mystics, DC United—they've all won championships more recently uh, during this century. Maryland women, Georgetown's been to a Final Four. Maryland men have won a national championship. This is still a burgundy and gold town. No matter what the team is called, this is still a Washington NFL town. And after being held hostage for 25 years or so, boom, it's back. And the people have won. The people who outlasted the Danny <laughs> have uh, have reason to celebrate. So it's going to be an exciting uh, thing to see what happens from here on out because they have a lot of decisions on the horizon, uh, on and off the field. And, and it's, you know, a lot's been made of how the season has gone. And we get that. It's... you. We talked about it on this very program and multiple times throughout the year. There was a very good possibility that this season is would go the way it has, yeah, right? right. Yeah. And you don't spend $6 billion on something and not have a plan. So to the fans that are just up in arms about him not firing Ron Rivera before the end of the year and making all these other changes, you just have to be patient because it's coming January 8th. It's all going to change. And you just the, the one thing I will say, Dan Snyder's not coming back. So whatever happens, you still have that, right? We still have that. Yeah. He's not coming back. So Unless he pulls up this mask and <clears throat> oh. all of a sudden. I mean, that would be just. That, yeah. That's what would happen if they hire Bill Belichick as right. the next coach. This isn't like Mission Impossible where everybody, right. you know, Tom Cruise wearing different masks. I was thinking Scooby-Doo. That's fine, too. Oh, that's an even better one. But yeah. no, I think, I think that the, the, the fans will see the plan start to come to fruition after the sweeping changes at the end of the regular season. So, but I will say that just be patient. You're this off season is going to be so much fun. There's 90 million dollars yeah. in cap space. You can have a top 5 draft pick, maybe number 2. If they lose out, they have a 33% chance to get the number 2 pick. I didn't do the math, someone else did. Okay. Um and then you're going to have a GM coach front office structure for the first time. Maybe a GM will actually hire a coach. Oh. So that I know, blow you, blow you away. Crazy right? Here. Right. So that that is a fun thing to look forward to this off season. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Also, okay. I think 
We've talked a lot about the on-the-field product, uh, the front office. I think the game day experience, too. There's a real opportunity, and we have heard of some things as far as concessions, uh, the whole cleaning of the uh, of, of some of the areas that hadn't been cleaned for 15 years Oof. at FedEx Field. Take uh, We need to see an improved field, improved quality of field there. I think that's going to be on the agenda as well, because I don't think I don't think anybody's saying that this team's going to win the Super Bowl next year. But what they can do is deliver a playoff type game day experience for the fans who drive mm-hmm. from Woodbridge, for the fans who might take the Metro in, for the people who have been supporting this team. Give them a reason to come and have a good day, uh, as opposed to oh, you're only going to go if the team's any good. Right. So can we safely say then that? This was also the moment of the year in oh, yeah. DC sports. My moment of the year is a different moment. It's Wait, the, so the answer is no. It. Go ahead. I, know. I knew it. I, well, it's going to be good, though. I knew who to pose the question. My to. moment of the year was what? We can be eliminated? Uh, <laughs> that's when I just, that's when I, that's when I, in fact, eliminated head coach Ron Rivera from serious. Ness and was the, that was that 2023? That was that, just. It was the first weekend of 2023. Look at you. Yes. He's, he's, he's going to be. He's going to be factual. Yeah. He's, he's, but that was he's that good. was something, wasn't it? That he's was good like that. Definitely something. Well, I'm pretty but, sure he knows he's eliminated now. Yeah. No, that was <laughs> yeah, January first, yeah. I believe, because that was that Sunday where they lost, and uh, that was after the Cleveland. Right. And I think everyone right. said, "Wow, well, you know, if Detroit wins, boom." And the fact that yes, this, he has a lot of things on his plate as far as running the team from a GM perspective, dealing with the Martys, dealing with this, dealing with that, dealing with an owner at the time that nobody liked. And that's just you know, the, the work issues that he had to deal with. Yeah. But you got to know. You have to know going into Sunday. You don't need to be super focused on it. It's not going to keep you up at night. Instead of thinking about what play you're going to run on third and seven, you're thinking, oh, wow, we can be eliminated if X, Y, Z happens. Agreed. But you have to have an idea, or you have to have someone on staff who says, you know what, if A, B, and C happens, we're out of playoff contention. The fact that that did not exist is evidence that uh, they're doing the right thing by moving on. Yeah, there's no there, – you're right. There's no – I know he says he's focused on week to week, but there's, there's no excuse for that. Right. I mean, you have to that's, know. That's a mental lapse. You have to know that if you lose it, you could be eliminated in week 16, 16 by however. You, you have to know that. But I would say that's coach. kind of what plagued his tenure here right. was that the, you know, the, the attention to detail didn't seem mm-hmm. to be there consistently. And so, yeah. you know, L- later, later in his tenure. Yeah, right. The it's excuse- like when they won the division the one year – you know, fine. Everybody else was down, and that was good for a team that was in the midst right. of this big mm-hmm. organizational overhaul and and uh, in the middle of a pandemic. But I mean, you talk about <laughs> from that stuff to right. not knowing that his fifth round rookie quarterback was actually kind of good. Yeah. I mean, just just letting all these details just by the wayside, and at some point, you know. There has to come a bill due for that. If someone wins a division and there's nobody in the stands to watch it, a playoff game, did it happen? <laughs> and they have they use a name that they don't use anymore. Does it happen? Right. Right. You know, exactly. And you're, to your point, being focused on the day-to-day, game-to-game thing and not knowing the big picture, it's akin to not eating meals because you're so focused on breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just that that, that just... Well, I heard that. It was like, really? That's what we're going to... That's 
Yeah. We can be eliminated. Yes, you can be eliminated. Yeah. Yes. Took him a little longer to eliminate him than yes. we would have. All right, so uh, moving up. to the comeback athlete of the year in Washington, D.C. Mine's a little bit <clears throat> cruel in nature. Mm. Um, and not cruel toward him, but just it's a cruel sort of twist in fate. And mine is Nicholas Backstrom because he came back from that hip surgery right. and he only missed one game right you know when yeah. he came back um starts the new season plays the first eight games and then they shut him down and he uh steps away from hockey but it was it, it was a good comeback in that it's the sort of injury that you don't come back from typically yeah. and the ice, ice hockey right. players especially have issues returning to the ice uh when they've had this this hip surgery so not only did he return to the ice, I mean, he didn't play badly, but, I mean, he wasn't the same guy that we saw during the uh, Stanley Cup run, but uh, he did return to the ice, and unfortunately he was shut down later, but um, I had him as the comeback athlete. There are many options. In DC. Yeah. There's not a I lot was of struggling options. struggling with this. Yeah. I actually, yeah, because yeah, yeah. last year we right. had Brian Robinson Jr., that was, that was an obvious yeah. one. But, um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I had to kind of, it feels like a stretch a little no. bit for a guy who's shut down now, but... Right. My net was extended a little bit. I did the whole DC metro area, which includes uh, you know local colleges yeah. and uh, Mike Collins, the University of Virginia running back who was shot of November uh, of 2022, was able to make it back on the field this year. Actually, yeah. I think he received some votes uh, for the national AP uh, College Football Player of the Year. So I like that. There you one. go. That's right, pretty yeah, good. That's very yeah. good. But it's again, we didn't have a. I guess we're fortunate in the D.C. metro yeah, area yeah. that we didn't have a lot of guys get injured that they had to come back from yeah. these injuries. Right. I was hoping that it would be that uh, we'd be saying uh, that about Steven Strasburg That's, last year, but it was yeah. not to be, unfortunately. Yeah. How about the and breakthrough? I don't think it's going to be at all. I got a I got a newcomer. What are we doing next? Oh, breakthrough athlete oh. of the year. I got you a can tie, make him I, a newcomer. That's yeah, fine. I got two. I got two that uh, okay. that uh, you know a uh, Lane Thomas. Had an yeah. outstanding yeah. season for the Nats. Mm-hmm. He is still, I think he's close to his ceiling, but this year he had career highs in games played at bats, hits, runs, you know, every imaginable category, playing every day in right field. And he's a guy who, if things work out, will be the senior statesman on the next really good uh, Nationals teams that are competing for division titles and playoff berths. Because I think when we when we see the haul that we got for trading off the stars the last couple of years, mm-hmm. there's some gems that are coming up that are already playing now that I think in a few years, maybe even this year, they might be, I guess, pesky and compete. But in two years, there's no reason not to expect this Nationals team to compete for a playoff berth. And I think Lane Thomas is the Ryan Zimmerman-esque older guy who has been there, who has done a lot of the things who can show a lot of these younger guys how to be a major leaguer. All I right. got, you want to get, we still doing this one? Yeah. <laughs> Would you want to move on? No, 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 no. But I'm trying to think because I was going baseball. But I think you could also, um, Francis Tiafo deserves a lot of credit. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That yours? Yes. Was that yours? No, it's not oh. mine, but. Into the top 10. Yeah. And continues to ex- and make his way up in, in Grand Slams. And hopefully he's going to get there. But as far as a local product, and um, I think he's, he, his year deserves that kind of credit. I was going to go a little outside, and we don't cover Baltimore as local, and I'm just going to say that right now. That is not a local team as far as I'm concerned. But I'm going with Justin Matabike of the Ravens because he just 
set an NFL record, he's had at least a half sack in 11 straight games. Is that and, right? Yeah, Why can't they that, get a good pass is, rusher in Washington? Right, and and that's the thing. And, they, they, didn't, had and they didn't spend the second overall pick on him. He's a third-round mm-hmm. pick, uh, and uh, he's part of a defense that actually a no-name defense in Baltimore, which is kind of <clears throat> hard to believe because yeah. uh, Baltimore, yeah, they've yeah, had they Ray are, Lewis. And they have, yeah. yeah, they've got Roquan Smith now. But uh, it's a no-name defense. They lead the league in sacks. They're top two, three in uh, most uh, defensive categories. So, um, yeah, they, he's making a big name for himself on a, uh, on a no-name defense. So Justin Matabike would be my uh, That's breakout. That's a good pull. My honorable mention would have been Dylan Strom. He's had a heck of a start this yes. season. He was in his second year, I believe, with the Caps. Played really well last year. And the question was, could he sustain that or was that just a flash in the pan? Well, the first half of the season, they're not yet done with, and he's well on his way to passing his totals from last year. You know what else you could do as a moment, too, to kind of play off the whole commander sale thing? Yeah. The trading of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Oh, yeah, that's that was a watershed moment. To see how far. Man, we did the trade deadline thing for Juan Mm. Soto last year, right? (laughs) Right. But to see how far the fact that you're thinking about trading the number two overall pick and then a guy that you traded back into the first round to get. Yeah, and a defense in year four. And of you the, got zero first-round picks for yeah, either of them. Right. That's just so, an honorable So they'll save on the contract. Yeah. <laughs> all. all right, so uh, D.C. sports person or people of the year. I mean, this is going to be a very commander-centric show. Let's just admit that right it's now, fun. okay? Because it's well, just like... Else, you got Cheeseman I mean, the Wizards are the Wizards. In, We're not even going to mention them in this podcast, yeah, so you just did. Yeah, I know, but that's why <laughs> I did. I know. Was because that's the I only know. way we're going to mention They're them. But, uh, team. I mean, Josh Harris has to be the yes. sports person I, of the year I, in okay. D.C. That's because given, yeah. anytime you plunk down 6.05, <laughs> and that .05 is important, Yeah, $6.05 billion to get... A team. That's with a B. Yeah, with a B. Especially when you think that that point zero five. It's it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's no. what fifteen million. That point zero five <laughs> is quite a lot. Yeah, and I mean just by walking oh. through the door. Yeah, it's five hundred thousand. This is a better culture thousands. in Washington, and uh, you know he's he's they're already trending mm-hmm. in a better direction. I know what they're doing on the field, but they're trending in a better direction already just by not having Dan Snyder there anymore. Yep. Yep. So, he has to be the the sports person of the year. That was mine too. Yeah, not mine. Not no. mine. I chose. I, I chose a this team. Is why I, we have Dave I chose though. the Howard uh, University uh, men's basketball team, the yeah. Bison, okay. making their first NCAA first ever, tournament yeah. since 1992. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, they played well against Kansas. But here's here's a team that they've run a ton of coaches through, mm-hmm. and they've had a lot of great players. They had this guy James Daniel about. Maybe now it feels like maybe six, seven, eight years ago, led the nation in scoring. They still couldn't finish with a winning record. And Kenneth Blakeney has done a fantastic job there. He's a guy who's going to be on a lot of hot coaching search lists. Uh, and he's got, you know, D.C. roots, DeMatha, you know, played at Duke, what have you. Uh, where's Ben Raby when we need him to pump that up? <laughs> More um, from him yeah. later. <laughs> so, but I, so I think... I, I he could very well find his way somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I hope he stays for a little bit longer and helps build this program because to take a program that had been so bad for so long yeah. and get them into the NCAA tournament and uh, with the way that the MEAC, with the way those schools are set up, with the way their athletic departments are engineered, they're not necessarily engineered to compete at the major men's college basketball level. So to do what he was able to do 
with his personnel get to the tournament, and those kids played great uh, down the stretch. They yeah. won the uh, in a one bid league. It doesn't. It matters what you do the first three months of the new year, the first two months of the new year, but it also is important what you do during those. Three to five days yeah, in March, in March yeah. down in Norfolk. And uh, hats off to uh, Coach Blakeney and the Bison, and uh, hopefully they make it back-to-back. But uh, regardless of what happens this winter, they can't take away this past March. So they're my sports people of the year. All right. Okay. So that's 2023. What are we looking What about newcomer? To? Can we do a newcomer? No, we didn't do it. Uh, no, that was breakthrough. You could use the newcomer uh, as I was just going to I was going to give Ed Cooley some credit for yes. coming to town. Okay. Please do. Please do. <clears throat> coming to town and taking over a Georgetown program for the first time since 1972. First on non- yeah. John, non- John Thompson since yeah. 72. Yeah. Yeah. And Ed Cooley, I think, is going to restore the Georgetown. Maybe not all the way to the top, but I love his coaching style yeah. and his attitude. And, you know, now that he just kind of. Pissed off everybody in Providence. It's great. They get some wars. Those games are going to be salty. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Bring a, bring rivalries back yeah. to the Big East. That's actually kind of what is we look forward to uh, 2024. That's one of the things that I'm looking most forward to. Maryland-Georgetown. Yeah. Well, not just that, but okay. he, his wasn't the only new coaching hire because yeah. we had AU. Uh, yeah. Dwayne Simpkins uh, there is Mike Brennan uh, is out. George Mason mm-hmm. lost their coach, Kim English, to Providence, who lost their coach, Ed Cooley, to Georgetown. They uh, brought in uh, Tony Skin, guy who helped lead them to the Final Four back in 2006. We can even go a little further south as we know how large the net can be. VCU has a new coach, uh, Ryan Odom, guy who helped engineer the what was at that point the greatest upset in NCAA tournament UMBC. history. And VCU, no matter who has been their head coach, the last 20 years, he's been able to come in. He's been able to get them to the tournament. He's been able to compete and bring a winner down to the capital city of the Commonwealth. So, How about I'll, UCLA? Coming to the Big Ten? That's a big <laughs> thing, too, man. Well, it's funny how much turnover we've had in college. Last year was Kevin Willard. Right? Yeah. And this year it's been everybody, pretty much everybody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And GW was last year with yes, Caputo. Yes, Chris Caputo. Yeah, it's so literally everybody in the in town basically yes. in two yeah. years, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Navy. Na- uh, Ed DeCellis Navy. has yeah. been there for a while. Right. But that's an interesting thing because they let uh, the way that uh, the academy is set up in varsity sports in the Patriot League, they have a roster of like thirty guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And so you're like, how do you prep for that? Which trips you out when you're watching the box score. Oh, yeah, And yeah, you're yeah, trying yeah. to give yeah. the update. update you're like, yeah. why is there 19 guys on the bench? Don't forget, we also but, had Spencer Carberry come to town. Yeah, yeah. that's exciting. Capitals yeah, new coach. Yeah. And then, of course, there's going to be a new coach of the Burgundy and Gold. That's right. Yes. In, the only one, the safest job in town is Wes Unseld right now. Probably. Davey Martinez. Probably. Maybe has oh, Davey Martinez. He just got Almost forgot about the Nationals. Almost forgot about the Nationals. Yeah. Yeah, and we we didn't mention as part of the big stories of the year, of course, the uh, Wizards and Capitals proposed move to uh, Potomac Yard in Virginia. Um, we did, as a matter of fact, that news broke a little bit uh, before we were able to uh, make it a part of the huddle, or, or uh, broke after we were able right. to make it a part of the huddle. Um, quick thoughts on that. Uh, I think that uh, they botched the move from the standpoint of instead of saying we are excited. Well, no, well, <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I think the fact that they made such a big to do about hey, we're building a new arena for the Capitals and the Wizards, and not mentioning. I, I, I think they should have done more to say 
We're not taking teams out of the district. We are expanding our brand. We're yeah. expanding here. And this is good news for Washington, D.C., because there's going to be a chance for more concerts at mm-hmm. Capital One Arena. Drake can be here for three nights. We can get Taylor Swift for two or what have you. The ACC tournament can now be here and come here. And we're not hinging on, oh, do we have an NBA game that night? Do we have an NHL game that night? The A-10 tournament can now be a regular Washington, D.C. fixture. If they had said there's going to be so much opportunity in Washington, D.C., that may be a load of hooey, but it would have sounded a lot better than, hey, we love Alexandria and we're taking these two teams with us. No, they they totally botched. And and he's abandoning D.C. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of the move, but it's the world we live in. And and I'm still not convinced it's going to happen. I'm not either, and that's why I haven't reacted to it, because we saw um, the former uh, Washington owner, uh, Jack Jack Kent Cook, stand on that same plot of land Mm -hmm. and talk about how they were looking forward to building there. In 1992. In 1992. And it only takes a handful of salty delegates from like Lynchburg or Roanoke or Blacksburg who have no desire whatsoever to put tax dollars into Northern Virginia to gum up the works. And so even though I'm not a fan of the move, I thought that the announcement could have been handled much better. I'm right on point with you two. Until I actually see dirt coming up in the shovel... So I refuse, I, to, I refuse to acknowledge it as Fine, real because I agree. It's, it's not real yet. I and haven't seen not, anybody yeah. do a groundbreaking. And both sides botched it. I mean, the, the, the D.C. too and the right. mayor yeah. was thinking, there's no way he's going to do this. He's not leaving us. And then all of a sudden they find out. The, the fact that nobody knew about the word that the $500 million had all of a sudden appeared to be that they were going to offer Ted Leontes. Nobody knew about that until after the press conference at Potomac Yard was announced. Yeah. That's not good. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. Badly played Hail Mary. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And uh, and also, basketball is a city sport, so to take basketball out of the city would just be ridiculous. It didn't work in uh, Cleveland. Yeah. It didn't work in Detroit. I don't think it's it's not going to work here. It's especially not going to work here. And, of course, nothing works here because the Wizards have been irrelevant for the better part of 50 years. That's the other thing. The product you've been putting on the court is is, is not good. We'll always have John Wall on the scores table after a game six win. After a game six Six. win. We'll always have that. We'll always have that. Unbelievable. Well, um, the thing that I'm looking most forward to in 2024, and I think George will attest to this as well, is whatever the new commander's regime is. I think that this team is going to swing for the fences and... I think that they are going to get a home run higher. Hmm. And the more, and we did a whole episode about how Mike Tomlin in Washington makes sense. I think that's going to be the move. And the, and as each week progressively, like we inch closer to the end of the year, it's looking like there could be a mutual party in the ways in Pittsburgh, which is unthinkable because of that organization yeah. and it, the, the remarkable stability that they've had. But also, just Washington just needs that palate cleanser. And I think Mike Tomlin is absolutely the right man for that job. And so I think, you could get, I think you get a GM who has even loose ties to him. Yep. I think that's going to And it wouldn't cost happen. you if he gets, if these 
if he's done in Pittsburgh, it won't cost you any first-round picks. I mean, that would be a beautiful gift right there. That's I mean, before, even if it's a third-round pick, we I would we, sprint running giggling to right. give that before, up. Before, we're saying we're going to have to offer him, yeah. you know, we'd have to see that the commanders offer something for him, but yeah. I can't think of anyone more I'd like to have lead the fans at FedEx Field in his rendition of Comic Commanders than Mike Tomlin. That right there. Can we edit that out? That's yes. going to get edited out. Yes, yeah, Jason, good. please. Okay, so <laughs> where we're, what we're going <laughs> to edit in is the comments of some of our WTOP colleagues who could not be a part of this episode. How so, would you not want so, to come and sit here with us? Hey, yeah. well, first of all, there's only one space here. Okay, well, so we can... We I'm surprised. Instead of just breaking a broomstick and having them fight for it, Which we one? just offered them... I, that would be raining. I'm floored. That would be, I'm that floored would be. that a certain somebody who likes to show up around here on certain days when certain things are available did not show up the day that they're having food available downstairs in the lobby. I agree. Well, if you don't know who he's talking about, we'll show him to you right now. This seems to be the only way I'm going to get on this podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm Jose Omanya. I'm WTOP soccer reporter, and I'm here to help out with our end-of-the-year questions and expectations for the upcoming season and year. First off, Comeback Player of the Year, it's obvious I'm going to keep it in the soccer realm, and it's going to be Ali Krieger, the Dumfries native who was playing <laughs> for Gotham FC in the NWSL after a couple of years where it was subpar performances, not the best starts per se for the other clubs that she played for, especially her first year at Gotham where Trinity Robin of the Spirit made her into a meme, dribbling her out of her mind and basically putting her on the ground forever to be plastered in Segra Field forever and ever. She needed a comeback, and it was her last year, so it was her last chance of a comeback. She came back with a vengeance. She regained her starting spot midway through the year, led the team in blocks, interceptions, completed passes, earned her spot in the best 11 of the league, and helped Gotham go from worst to first, becoming NWSL champions. I don't know how you could be more of a comeback player than that to come back from a mediocre year basically being humiliated throughout the internet and the trials and tribulations of her personal life to become a champion six years after she failed to do so for her hometown comeback player of the year no doubt about it now and she gets to retire as a champion now what am i looking forward to next year simple the stadium battle of 2024 What's going to happen with the monumental teams? Will, will RFK finally get knocked down? And what's going to happen with its future? Will Audi Field get its expansion like it wants? Will the own, the future owners of the Nationals be happy with the way uh, the Nats ballpark looks? Or will they want more upgrades? Will Segra Field ever get better? Can't wait for these developments. They're interesting. They're really exciting. And... It affects your pocket as well most of the time. So that's what I'm looking out for in 2024. My 2023 story of the year, and no offense to the Baltimore Orioles, but how about Bruce Bochy, who not only got lured out of retirement, but then went out and won a World Series. And on that Texas Rangers team, Travis Jankowski, a fellow Lancaster Catholic High School alum, still the only crusader to make it to the bigs and contributing with a hit in the Fall Classic. And what do I look forward to most in 2024? How about the date, January 8th? That's when the riverboat gets cast off. 
Not only should he have not been brought in in the first place, but it will be nice to see another piece removed from the former regime. There is Jay Brooks off the top rope right there uh, saying Ron Rivera should have never been hired. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that <sighs> because that, that's a little revisionist history because Ron Rivera, he's a guy, yes, and I've said this a million times on this podcast, if you take the 15-1 and Super Bowl season off his ledger, he is not impressive, as, or at least his record is not impressive. No. So he is, however... Somebody who, and he showed this in Carolina, he showed this here, if you were just a destitute franchise, he will take you from being one of the league's worst to being respectable and middle of the road. Unfortunately, he doesn't get you past being middle of the road. So that's why he's not lasting in Washington. It's not because he's necessarily incompetent. He's just not going to win you any championships. Unfortunately, the culture here was, even though someone said that it was darn good, unfortunately, the culture here was (laughs) so bad with the previous regime that even though Ron Rivera, who may not have been a good hire in general, uh, seemed like such an upgrade. Because remember how those early September games under the Jay Gruden regime, they'd come out and they'd sleepwalk. It's like, oh gosh, did they not do anything in training camp? I always felt that Ron, okay, were they effective? Were they, did they play the smartest? No. Did they do the right things all the time? No. But I always felt that Ron had this team ready for opening day. Yeah. Did they win all the time? No. But he, no. Had, them, he had them playing with at least a sense of purpose from the start that we didn't have previously. At the time that he was hired, he was the right person for this situation. I mean, you have an owner... You had the name change. You had an owner who was just being investigated by everybody all the time. Yep. Uh, you had the you had COVID. You had uh, he beat cancer. I mean, yeah. he was the yeah. perfect guy to kind of stabilize this organization at the time. Right. And, and we've talked about before. Ron Rivera, the GM, hurt Ron Rivera, the coach. Yeah. Multiple mm-hmm. times. So that's being said, I think he deserves credit for four years that he has put in here, which probably to him seems like eight. Right? Maybe longer. That is all spilt milk out of the bridge. As as we've seen many times in Washington, spending four years in D.C. uh, will age you like it's eight years. We've aged in this podcast a long time. I I mean, just in a good way. Look at my headshot on our website compared to me today. And uh, And that was yesterday. Yeah, that, that was a lot of gray. Well, guys, this was another fun episode. Always is. Can, Gentlemen. Can, can we can, agree? I agree. Oh, you no, agree? Great. Okay. All I right. would rather be anywhere else in the world than right here, right now. That's what I guys. like about this guy. That is George Wallace. That is Dave Preston. I am Rob Woodfork, and thank you for joining us for this very special edition of the DC Sports Huddle, which now you can watch us break the huddle. Some of us. Yeah. Two-thirds, majority. Yeah. Motion passes. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, guys.